0: hello hello welcome to the thing just realized that my mic was off (laughs) there we go it's on now this is well i check these things yeah there we go we're working so welcome to the podcast welcome to the live stream it is seven o'clock on wednesday the 24th of august and it's a beautiful uh, beautiful summer's evening here in lurgan Um, The weather's been class this week It's been great Apparently it's going to be good for an all while as well So I hope that But it's a nicer heat You know what I mean I know there's a Talking about weather and all But it's just very boring But as I said When it was 32 degrees I I couldn't fucking function It was too much for me So it's about 20 22 Lovely Just perfect So um, Yeah so welcome to the podcast, welcome to the live stream, whatever it is, whichever it is that you're doing. Um, if you're listening to this on the podcast, come over, give me a like and a subscribe on the uh, on YouTube. Give us a wee share. If you're doing this on your, your podcast app, you can share the thing, stick it up on your Instagram or your Facebook or your Twitter or whatever the fuck it is that you, you do. So. What am I going to talk about? I'm going to talk about the All-Ireland hurling final that was on Sunday. Uh, it was great. Well, it wasn't great. It was impressive. I'll explain later. I won't get into it. But because Limerick absolutely fucking hammered Cork and effectively... It was effectively a dead rubber halfway through the first half. But... So we're going to talk about that. And I have a great wee article here from Ireland's Own Magazine. Remember that? Do you you, you still get that? We used to get that delivered to our house. Every house in the fucking company used to get it. Ireland's Own Magazine. And I have an article here from it called When hurling Was a Crime. So I'm going to read it because it's brilliant. And uh, then we're going to talk about... We're going to talk about... the way the afghanistan thing still ongoing not going to go into it no articles to read just going to show you a little video um very short this is more of an updatey thing i'm not going to go mad into the afghan thing uh then i'm going to talk about the pukka statue i don't know if you follow me on twitter but uh i I retweeted something last week and it was my absolute favorite story and it was about a statue of the pukka and uh, I'm going to talk to you about that and I got the the artist, I actually tagged the artist of the statue and he was was sort of talking with us for a little bit so in my head I want to get him on to talk about the statue because it's a little bit controversial we'll talk about that and then I'm going to talk about deism so what is deism? it's the the Chinese religion and philosophy it's it's how you so, Tao Tao Sia Sung, I think that's his name, wrote this, fantastic, it's all about that, it's, the, 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 uh, the offshoots of it are things like Tai Chi, and, you know, all that, it's all about flow, and it's a great thing for artists, and I'll talk I'll talk about that because I was hanging out with Mickey Bartlett last night, and we got talking about this. So, we we'll gonna talk about that.
1: Should I get Mickey around to talk
0: about this, actually? Ugh, I've had an awful hangover today. We went to the pub and uh I'm doing this um My mate Will came over from Glasgow. Told you last week my mate Will came over from Glasgow and he has he's um gluten intolerant and uh, so he went a few years ago he was actually over here he came he came over to see us and my wife Jeannie she's a fucking she's just a bit she's a, a witch in the proper pagan sort of sense of the word that she's just has this amazing ability to sort of fix things and heal people and diagnose things that might be wrong with you and uh, so she kind of Will wasn't looking great and he'd been sort of going on the slide for a few years and uh, she says listen I think you're same as me I think you're gluten intolerant so he went away and did a bit of research and went to the doctors and did all the thing Turns out he was massively gluten intolerant, so we went on a real, a real sort of health kick with the food, and uh, turned his life around. Unbelievable, everything changed for him. So he, when he was over last time, told you this. He, was, he just went home last week. He um, he says to me, me and Richie actually. He said, "Do me a favor, go off the gluten for a couple of weeks, see how you feel." So I did. Richie didn't. Um. <laughs> so, last Monday I stopped eating the gluten, which is easy enough for me because Janie is gluten intolerant. So there's plenty of, and all our food is made fresh every day. So there's no, there's no, there's no problems there. It was, it was quite easy for me to do. Um, but last night went to the pub, went went and played football down at Knock Grammar and then afterwards we went and met Mickey for a few pints. And they have in the bar, in the Woodville, they have a Fox's Rock Ale, the ale selection. But the lager, they have a lager that's gluten-free. So So this past couple of weeks, a couple of times I've been in the pub, that's what I was drinking. But we ran out last night. And it's really nice, by the way. But we ran out last night, so I had... That's the first bit of gluten I've had in two weeks. Well, not two weeks, a week and a half. I had, um, the boys were drinking heavily. Ugh, I don't know what possessed me. I should have just went to, just, just, if I'm going to fucking abandon the gluten for the evening, just give me a pint again, Guinness, because that's what I would normally drink. But they were drinking lager, and it was, we were outside in the beer garden, and it was a bit sunny, and all I went, okay, give me that. Ugh, worst mistake of my life. Stuff isn't fucking nice, anyway. And I've had a stinking, a stinking hangover all day. Much, much heavier. Then only had three or four pints. You know, I shouldn't have had a hangover at all. Uh, So I put it down to a combination of Haverly being pure pish and uh, the gluten. Because Will did say to me, he says, once you take, if you go off the gluten for a while, then you take it, it hits you hard. And it it has. I think it has. I think that's what it is. I'm not not a scientist. I don't know. Get the fucking vaccine. (laughs) That's all I gotta say so on with the thing so we're going to do the updates so what are the updates we're gigging on saturday night the bonnevilles are playing with the saber jets up in port rush uh the atlantic the the atlantic lounge there on the corner and there's not many tickets left so if you if there's any left i don't know if you want to get on that you should do that um what else? So there's that. Um, As always, Lamelight on the 2nd of December. Please uh, get your ticket bought for that. Doors 6.30, tickets 10 pounds. There's going to be two support bands. And I think that's sort of ironed out now, I think that's sorted. Uh, although it hasn't been announced. Um, what else? Northern Ireland Music Prize. As you know, my album, a solo album, became eligible for that. So I, again, I don't know how that works. If you can, if you can influence the vote in some way, I would like to get on the short list or long list, long list and short list. I don't think I will, but it would be nice. I think my album deserves it. I put a lot of work into that. It Took me fucking years. But anyway, and it's good. I'm very proud of it. It's nice that you know, whenever you, uh, when you do something like that, and you can be proud of it. It is very cool, it's very, um, it's just cool, it's nice, it's a nice sensation, and I can hear my headphones, somebody has started the fucking mow their lawn. I don't think you'll be able to hear it though, but I can hear it, and it's annoying as fuck, but there we go, so if you're over on the YouTube, says say hello in the live chat, I'll check in from time to time when I can, um, if you have any questions for me, please, get, get me them, get me them, uh, yeah, so th- I think that's me all updated. Oh, one other thing. Um, yeah, so I put up on the bands, on the Bonneville's Facebook page the other day about playing some gigs on the West Coast. See, it's really weird what happens. Let me just turn this music off. There we go. It's really weird what happens because... We have never played, the, the only places we played were we'll, we'll Derry, Belfast, Dublin, Cork, right? Played in Dundalk a little bit, which isn't far from here. We've played in Port Rish, and we've we'll played a couple of places in the north. One or two places outside of those places in the south. But the whole middle bit of the country, nope. The whole west coast, nope. we will played a, we'll play Donegal a couple of times. But it's not by design. You don't mean to do that. What happens is other people are asking us to play, so we go and play in Italy, we go and play in Belgium and France and blah, 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 Germany and England and Scotland and everywhere. And there's only so much of you to go about, if you know what I mean. So we've we've been, I think, shamefully neglected and overlooked in the Irish music scene and as a as an island and as a whole. In the south, we have no fucking presence at all. We can fill a nice room in Dublin. We can get a few skulls out in Cork, but not too many. But beyond that, we're practically unknown. Whereas in Belfast, we can fill the Limelight. Limelight 2, as the gig poster. There she is, uh, as the gig poster says. So, but there's all the other... There's Limericks and Galways and Sligos and everywhere, 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 everywhere. And we haven't played. Leitrim, we got... So I put it up on the Facebook page. If anybody wants to... Because I think and I know the Irish music scene isn't um up and running yet. Uh the north or south, although the north is a couple of steps ahead of the south at the moment. Despite our our surging COVID rates, I have a funny feeling that'll start to um uh, for some restrictions might be put back in place. And uh so we've never played these places so I put up and a few people come back and said yes let's do this and it was great it was fantastic so we met we're going to make plans to do that but we are touring in February and the south there's a couple of places Galway and a couple of other places are a part of those plans within the UK and Ireland tour and cuz when we, we when we do U- U- UK and Ireland tours in the past the Irish tour would be Belfast Dublin and you know the weird thing is when bands come from big famous bands come from abroad and they say we're going to do an Irish tour and they only play Belfast and Dublin or sometimes just Dublin you know yeah, like, you slag them off and here we're doing it fucking pretty much the same thing we've always done it so we're going to try and put that right and you know hopefully give ourselves a little bit more of a footprint in, in the Irish music scene like I said we could set ourselves on fire and Hot Press magazine wouldn't wouldn't give a shit. They wouldn't know who we are. We don't get played on the radio very often. Tall Don Haggerty would have played us every now and again and things like that. But Paul McLean would have from time to time. But basically nothing. So we're going to try and put that right. So there we go. So there's the updates done. Right. Hurling. Now I am going to play this video in the background. Boom. there she is bye and it's the highlights from the hurling final that happened on Sunday past. and my Sunday was I was running around like a mad thing and I was getting a bit grumpy on it because I thought that the, the hurling was kicking off at half two and I I wanted to go for a run and and a workout and I was, Janie needed me to do a certain thing and I had to go and do this and do that. And I was getting a bit grumpy on it. And I was looking at my clock and I was going, I'm not going to get to do these if I want to watch the game. Turned out it wasn't. Didn't start at half two, started at half three. The coverage started at half two. So when I realised that, I went, oh, brilliant. So I went and got all my bits done. And then I sat down to watch what I hoped was going to be one of the epic games of all time Uh, Limerick and Cork in the final Limerick going for the third on the bounce and Cork uh, they haven't won it a few years and very much in a a, a rebuilding phase and hoping that this rebuilding phase was going to start paying off dividends and what actually happened if you don't know if you, by the way, if you're not Irish and you don't know what hurling is, like you can see it on the screen, it's basically a, like so. It's a cross of Irish football, which is like sort of like rugby and soccer combined. If you can imagine that, it wouldn't be as just as aggressive as rugby, but it's very skilled. It's as skillful as soccer, and but it's it is very aggressive. It's a very aggressive sport, and. So if you can imagine that, but with hurling is basically, as Davey Lennon, my mate put it when he sent me messages, he was watching it at the same time. And he says it's basically uh, Gaelic football with weapons. And that's what it is. So you have a hurl. I should have brought my hurling. Ah, fuck I could have showed you. And I'm going to get it. Actually, wait there, I'm going to put some music on for you. I'll be back in two seconds because I want to show you my hurl. Stay, Stay there, don't go, don't go. Boom, back in the room. That wasn't too long, was it? So, what's a hurl? This is a hurl, let me show you. Turn that off again. So here you go, so this is it. I'll put it up on the screen. You can see, over here even. So I'll describe it for those of you that are listening. There we go. So it's basically a wooden stick. And it's got a wide paddle end where it comes into contact with the ball. A handle that has a wrap. And a little, I don't know what that's called, but it's called a knuckle that your hand rests against. Well, you would rest it against that if you're going for a big mad hit. But if you're playing shorter stuff, small, medium passes and whatever. And the ball is hard. It's hard like a baseball or cricket ball. So that's my hurdle. And I go out to the park and... Just knock balls about with anyone I can get to there, and I've been meaning to go to the. There's a great social hurling scene has started up in in Ireland actually, and it's much like the over 35s football that I'm involved with. Um, so it's sort of people that used to hurl or are, are interested in hurling, and it's about getting them out playing, and that's what it is. So I've been mean. There's a there's a club. Started here in Lurgan up at Tonic Muck Gardens. We shout out to them. Yes, social hurling, and they're they're everywhere. They're in Derry and Belfast. They're, they're all over, and there's one in Lisburn, I believe. And I've been meaning to go up to them for a long time, but just haven't got round to it yet. And I, I recently, I've started my, co- my cousin Barry here who I'm going to show you a video of his in a second. His son has moved down to Lurgan. For whatever reasons uh won't go into that but he's a hurler and he plays for one of the local teams sean tracy's so i've been going me and him have been going up the park he's a 16 year old fella lovely boy and we've been knocking a few slithers about and doing a bit of training together and it's I'm, it's great to have him down here but it's great to get out to play and um, knock a ball about with him so that's what hurling is, So that, and, and that there, I mean, that, that's made of ash, right, and it's a very violent, it's not a very violent, but, well it, it's an aggressive game, let me call it that, any out acts of out and out violence do get punished, but um, they never used to. There's some great footage on YouTube of some hurlers, you know, he's about to head a ball and some fella just comes in and fucking takes the head clean off him, and the referee just makes him shake hands, <laughs> shake hands, move on. When you go into you go YouTube, you find all that stuff. It's brilliant. But the final, let me get on to the final. So the final was ended up being a massive disappointment. Because as I said, I was hoping, and I think everyone was, that this was going to be one of the great finals of all, Every obviously you hope all the finals, every match you watch, you hope it's going to be a great, but it ended up Limerick, effectively killed us but before the first in the first half they were that good they were on fuck it was it, it was exhibition hurling and Cork who if you're not from here Cork you know Cork are like the, the, the big county so the, it's played on county you played club level but you've the big games are played at county level And Cork are one of the greatest sporting counties in the in in ireland at, at everything because it's a big county of a lot of people but they're good you know and hurling is no exception they're they they're one of the big boys of hurling and they got absolutely fucking stuffed the scoreline i think the scoreline ended up it was three three 14 to one 12 or something like that the way it works is the, the three is a goal and then the 12 the, the other the bigger number is the points so you get a point for scoring over the bar in between the two uprights you can see it on the screen there and you get a goal for putting it into the end of the goal and a goal is worth three points so that's how you work it out and it's a fucking great game but it was it was very disappointing but what happened was limerick I don't even know if I've told you that, have I? It was Limerick, so Limerick and Cork were the two teams in the final. So Limerick, you can see on the screen there, Limerick's a the team in green, and they there's at half time. It was one ten to nine, and it was an. I mean that's so that's it doesn't sound too bad. There's only thirteen. That's aye. So, but it ended. It ended. It was it, Limerick just played them off the park in every position. It was unbelievable every man on the pitch wearing a green jersey was out playing his counterpart in a red and as I said you know cork or no as I say up here no goats toe but you know so that was a bit disappointing but at the end of the day we didn't get to see one of the great matches of all time but we did get to see one of the great teams and the Limerick team was that team obviously. They were unbelievable. It was, as I said, exhibition hurling. And there was a player on the pitch who ended up getting... Where's his picture? There it is. He ended up... There he is. A guy called Kean Lynch. And he ended up the, the hurler of the match. The man of the match. He played midfield. He only scored six points himself. But he created everything, everything come through him. Well not everything, but you know what I mean. He's only twenty four, and it's the second year in a row. He's got the hurler of an All Ireland man of the match at an All Ireland final. And somebody was saying it was like it was trying to play it was like trying to play Quidditch against Harry Potter <laughs> Which I thought was brilliant. he's uh, only young fella himself. He's not a big man, as you can see. And um but he was unbelievable unfucking believe the skill was just it was well the sig was well deserved. there's a thing in Ireland where we're talking about because Dublin are so dominant in the Gaelic sports especially the football the, the, because it's the, it's the most populous county so they've got a bigger catchment to, to draw their their squad from and it, that dominance it has led to a, extended periods of dominance. Can sometimes it last a decade or more before it, before they get uh, before they get uh, beaten. Um, although they were beaten last couple of weeks ago by Mayo, and that that final is going to be in a couple of weeks in the football. But there were talks about splitting Dublin into two: North Dublin, South Dublin, in order to make it a bit more fair for everybody else because they were that they have been that good for so long, and. Uh, my friend Neve Thornbury on Twitter says N- we need to think about splitting Kane Ke- Lynch into two because <laughs> he was that he was that good is unbelievable, and then the captain of the squad as well he's a fella called Jared, uh, Jared uh, Haggerty, I think his name was, and uh, he was, he was something that, he was a big unit, big guy, big six, I think he's six foot. I'm going. I think somebody said six foot eight. I don't... You know what? I'm going to Google it. But he's... He's noticeably huge when you see him. When he's standing on the screen. Uh Let me see if I can get him up here. On that. There he is. 1 meter 83. So, yeah. don't know what that is in feet and inches, but that's... Let me just... 1 meter... 83 centimeters in feet and inches. Oh, for God's sake! Would you just tell me? I have to click on all link. One meters 83 is six feet. No, oh, it's not. Well, else? No, I've got that wrong. Whoever it was, he was a big unit anyway. But he—he's the captain, and he's good as well. Brilliant, in fact. So. Yeah, so that was, as I said, so there's that. So that's one of the things I wanted to kind of talk to you about. And then, coming up now next Sunday is the other semi-final in the football between, it's a delayed match between Tyrone and Kerry. Tyrone had a COVID outbreak. It was, this match was supposed to be played last week. and But Tyrone had a COVID outbreak in the camp in their squad. So as said the numbers in the north are terrible. I think this the third highest COVID infection rates in the world, I think at the minute, in, in, in the north of Ireland. So they had to postpone that they postponed it for two weeks and now Tyrone are playing Kerry. I've got a lot of dear friends in Tyrone, but everybody fucking hates Tyrone. There's various reasons for it. I won't go I won't bore you with the details, but I was a uh, I was reading a tweet where a guy says he knows a fella who's a, a lifelong Irish Republican Irish Republican who is looking for a 31 county socialist republic. <laughs> and if you know what that, if you get that joke, you, you'll know what it means. So, here we go. So, there's the All Ireland. Oh, I enjoyed it, although I got a bit, I enjoyed watching the, the exhibition, but as a game, not so much. It looked like it was going ter- to, um, Limerick scored a goal early on first few seconds I think the first minute any first couple of minutes and then Cork just replied boom straight away I scored another scored a goal in return and I went oh brilliant this is they're gonna they're gonna cut each other's throats for the for the entirety of the game yeah uh, unfortunately they did not but nonetheless so there we go key and key and got man of the match is fucking brilliant so I wanted to share with you as well I'm not going to, I'm going to put a wee music video up there on the screen now, and I'm not going to play the music, because I don't want to get a copyright strike on Twitter, because they'll take this video down, but you'll see there, I'll describe it to you if you're if you're listening to this, and it's from my it's my cousin Barry here, and he released a new song this week called Father's Way, his new album coming out. And it's, I've uh, sort of connected the two of them up loosely for you, um, because there's a young hurler uh, in the video. And it's a local hurler. And Barry, actually, oh you know what, I'll uh, just find out who that is for you. But you should check out, you should check out um, Barry's video, it's called Way. check out the video check out the song it's not the normal sort of stuff I go for Barry played this for me a few weeks back and I, when he was he was up here visiting his mother Barry's in Galway at the moment, and um, he played me some he played me this stuff and told me about the producer and all this big 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 deal producer involved with this and so there's the video it was beautiful shut down Connemara and the hurler in the video, Madrick O'Connell, o- o- I can't even pronounce that. O- and it says he's a star hurler in Connemara for his local club, and he also played minor for Galway. And the video is himself knocking the ball around. And it's, be- it's just a beautifully shot little film. So Connemara Landscape, also co-stars. But then the father the song is called Father's Way. But then the father in the video is a guy called Noel McGuire. Now I know Noel. Noel's a great fella. Let me put this up on the He's a musician himself. But he's a he's a sports coach and all that. Uh, what's your, not working. not working. Let me just. there we go. So there's Noel there. So Noel's a great fella. Belfast man, and I, l- I enjoyed spending a lot. Uh, there's there's the, the, these these shots are of him. There's him hitting the, the ball himself. He's a sports coach, a cycling coach, a mountain uh, water sports coach is his main thing, but. I know Noel from when I was a cycling coach. I used to uh, um, used to be a mountain bike coach, and <clears throat> I had to go and get a, a qualification. and Noel was the instructor for the course, and that's how I met him. Turns out, then we had so we, we, we didn't realize that we had so much in common. And you would see Noel up in Madden's in Belfast that is playing in a session regularly. And uh, he's a great fella. I'm very, very fond of him. Uh, one of those guys that you meet in your life that you would, you would hope to spend a bit more time in his company, if you know what I mean. But your worlds just don't really allow for that to happen. Although maybe you should be a bit more proactive in that regard, eh? But uh, yeah, maybe when things open up again and start getting more sessions and stuff, I'll start turning up with those and. <coughs> So there you go. But go and give Barry's track a wee listen. Give it a, on, on the on a wee share. And as I said, it's not the normal sort of stuff. It's not the heavy stuff that I would normally be into. But Barry's, my dear cousin, you've heard me talking about Barry many times, I'm sure. And uh, he's just the best guy in the world. And I love him. And he's an amazing musician and he's an artist. And he's one of these really talented fellas. That he's good at everything. So... Go and check them out. So the song's called Father's Way. And it's sort of loosely, it's connected with the Harlan thing. So there you go. So, the article I wanted to read you. Now this is brilliant. It's from Ireland's own. And I didn't even know still it, But they do. And, (coughs) excuse me. As you can see from the the header there, the article is called, When Hurling Was a Crime. So, here we go. It's hard to believe, but Hurling was once banned in Kilkenny and in Galway. The first ban originated in Kilkenny, and it was the year of 1366. King Edward III of England wanted to prevent the Anglo-Norman settlers from becoming more Irish than the Irish themselves. Which is what the king, what what the imperialists and the colonialists have done in Ireland for years, for centuries. Because that's what happens. You, you go native, <laughs> but, but the, it's not just in Ireland, but in Ireland in particular. Um. So King Edward's son Lionel, the Duke of Clarence, assembled a parliament in in Kilkenny, and enacted. The infamous Statute of Kilkenny, considered to be the most notorious piece of legislation of the Middle Ages. Ooh. The statute consisted of 26 clauses, one of which forbade the king's loyal subjects to wear Irish-style clothing. To speak Irish? To have an Irish haircut? Remember we are talking about the glib haircut last week? That was an Irish-style haircut, right? A shaggy front thing, you can your face. Um an Irish-style haircut, or to play hurling or other Irish games. The ban on hurling went further than the other prohibitions as it applied to all inhabitants of Ireland, the conquerors and the natives, and it meant business. The relevant clause of the statute declared, It is ordained that the commons of the said land of Ireland use not henceforth the games which men call hurling with great clubs and ball upon the ground, but that they apply themselves to other gentle games which pertain to arms. Which pertain to, other gentle games which pertain to arms. Right, well, that's, uh, so war games are more gentle than hurling. Is that what the man is saying? I think that's what the man is saying. That's fucking mad, hey? So, onward. As subsequent to the enactment of the Statute of Kilkenny, many an Irish and Anglo-Norman youth was flogged publicly or imprisoned for wielding a hurley. Folklore has it that those who were arrested for hurling and who were stretched upon the rack walked taller upon their release. <laughs> The rack they maintained having added a few inches to their height, an advantage, of course, for plucking a slither out of the air, as the six foot four Walter Welsh, or six foot two Joe Canning, are a testament to. Kilkenny witnessed hundreds of floggings, and the court was um, and convictions for the criminal offence of hurling, in the year of 1367, a ban on the enactment. Sorry. In the year 1367, a year after the enactment of the ban on hurling, a Norman, Norman gentleman by the name of Geoffrey Fitz Thomas heard this scathing comment from the magistrate of Kilkenny's court. He had been found guilty of the nefarious and detestable crime of striking a ball with a stick in a manner p- peculiar to the Irish. The court was told that Geoffrey Fitz Thomas had fallen in with what the prosecution described as bad company, a group of Kilkenny hurlers. Today in Kilkenny, people would consider it a privilege to fall in with the company of hurlers. Geoffrey promised the court not to hurl again, claiming that he couldn't resist playing when he beheld the great skill of the young man out hurling in the meadows as he rode home on a stallion in the evenings. The judge, however, was not impressed, telling the unfortunate Geoffrey. I would, without hesitation, be sending you to the gallows. Howsoever, I can tell you now that you will be flogged to within an inch of your life, to within an inch of your miserable life. And indeed, Geoffrey did receive 40 lashes and was sentenced to two years in prison with hard labour, all for hurling with those dreadful stick-and-ball men. Holy fuck! Dawn's a bit harsh, don't you think? Did you ever hear anything as fucking shocking in your entire life? Just wow. Literally just wow. So, onwards. 640 years on, the view from across the water of our national game has considered has changed radically. Consider this snippet from an editorial in the Guardian newspaper after the marvellous Clare and Cork final of 2013. Sporting combatants play for the love, not money. They clash with ash sticks while trying to catch a ball flying through the air at terrifying velocity. Welcome to the ancient Irish game of hurling, arguably the fastest contact sport played on grass. The courage and commitment of Cork and Clare were a shining example of sportsmanship. The statute of Kilkenny failed to eradicate the game of hurling, and yet in 1527. The Statute of Galway reinforced the hurling ban. Forbidden. Ye hurling of ye little ball with the hooky... hookie sticks? Uh-huh, that's what it says, hooky. And staves. As the game was considered a violent and warlike pastime. Well, it fucking is. St- that statute didn't work either, as evidenced by the achievements of the stick and ball men of Galway and Kilkenny. And perhaps... The great stamina, strength and skill of both teams come not just from tenacious training and natural ability, but because they are carrying, lodged in their genes, a memory, a resonance of a time when hurling was banned throughout Ireland. Bands that originated in Kilkenny and Galway. Bands that deemed the game of hurling a crime. Dun, dun, dun. Isn't that fucking brilliant? Well, not if you're Jeffrey Fitz. Patrick? What's Fitzsimmons? What was his name? thomas Not if you're Jeffrey thomas 40 fucking lashes. But see, you must understand that Hurling isn't. These things don't get banned. So the Irish, like the, the GAA and the Gaelic League and all these things, these things are all a response to the perceived losing of culture. Right? Um Michael Collins, it was the anniversary of his death just last week. I should have had a bit of about him today actually. But I read a little bit something that he said there during the week and it was he was talking about the anglification of the Irish, and that they're a part. The part of their rebellion took was was with that, with with that in mind, not solely and specifically, but with that in mind. And a part of a part of the reason the anglification of the Irish is not, a, you know, if a language dies because the people die out or. Sport dies because no one plays it anymore. They don't want to. That's one thing, but that's not what happens when you're in dealing with colonialism. The colonists enforce bans of things to separate the natives, for want of a better word, from their culture. And once you're separated from your culture, you become you're one step easier to become dominated because you don't have that link to the past that makes you different from the person that's trying to dominate you and that's what these bans are if the Irish were playing tiddlywinks they would have banned tiddlywinks it's not hurling in and of itself that was the problem there was nothing well it is a beautiful and unique sport but hurling wasn't the issue it was that it was being played by the Irish it was an Irish sport which is why it was banned, which is why the language was banned. You weren't allowed to speak the language. The reason being to separate you from your culture. And as I said to you the the other week was, I think it was last week, my own personal little acts of rebellion, my own little personal acts of decolonialization is learning the language. That's what I do. Paying more contact to my local arts Or or, or p- paying more heed to my local arts scene And being involved in it But lear- something like learning the language You know? And that's your own personal thing Because it, the reason that you don't speak Irish Is not because You don't want to... It's it's no good, it's a shitty language It's not that It's because your ancestors were forced Sometimes on pain of death, to not speak the language, and this is why we don't. So, as an act of a rebel, a rabbley fuck you. Go learn the language. Even in your, you don't have to go. Do do we class? Do we online thing? Go onto YouTube. The resources on YouTube are phenomenal, and you'll find that if you go if you go to beginner classes on YouTube, they'll link to a website, and that website will just be jam-packed with resources that you can avail of so there we go what do we think of that what do we think of that I think that's fucking brilliant so oh my my wee thingy here squeaking a lot I must get that all taped up again so my, my mic stand as you know I do like to move it about I don't know why, because I can't fucking sit still. So there you go, the All Ireland hurling final. What did you think of that? And when when hurling was a crime, and now we know. So we're going to go. Now this story tickled me. This literally tickled me. I read this today, and you probably heard this. If you're if you're in Ireland, you definitely heard this. But. This is about a character called Frostbit Boy. And there he is on the screen. Who's Frostbit Boy? Again, this is for people that don't that aren't from here. Frostbit Boy was a short-lived comedy creation of the young man you can see on the screen there. Rory, something or all, let me just... Uh, down shut that down, there it is oh no No, I'm not going to read that because it's too fucking long. there it is Rory McSorley so a couple of years ago he did this little video that went viral around in Ireland especially in the north, and he played this sort of country bumpkin school kid and he said, me you know, something about you wouldn't belong getting frost. Well it's sort of a catchphrase like that. You wouldn't belong getting frost, but and it became a little very short as I said, very short lived little thing that amused the ha- the witless. But as I said, short lived, went away, disappeared into obscurity. I think he released a single or something and fair play I mean not slagging him off, fair playing him. Fucking absolutely brilliant. Have at it, young man. So, you think then that's the last you're ever gonna hear of Frostbit Boy Rory McSorley. Well wait, un- unless he's, turns out to be ultra-talented, and Frostbit Boy was only the, the starting of his creative, canic output. But, alas, it wasn't. We never heard from him again. Until today. Right? Now, this is fucking brilliant. I love this story. So, and the thing the reason I love it is because Ruri's ca- personality comes across in the story. He seems to be a right fellow to me. I think I like him very much. I could be wrong about that, of course, but... um. Is the picture of him? No. But anyway, so here we go. I'll read the story. It's very short. If you don't know, this is a brilliant video. Fro- the headline Frostbit boy Rory McSorley saved four kilometres off the coast of Ireland, surrounded by dolphins. <laughs> in Kerry. Sorry, not I put that in Ireland, but he's in- So, he was swimming off the coast of Kerry. I'll read the the article here. So, Frostbit Boy, Rory McSorley, has spoken out after being rescued from the water after a 12-hour ordeal off the coast in County Kerry. The 24-year-old, who went viral back in 2015, my God, was that six years ago, was saved four kilometres from the shore after he got into difficulty out at sea on a beach near Inch. The County Dairyman was first reported missing at around 8am on Sunday after his clothes and shoes were found on the shore by a walker. Rory was found by the RNLA a whole 12 hours later at 8.15pm surrounded by a pod of dolphins. <laughs> of course he was. <laughs> brilliant. Speaking to the Irish Independent yesterday, after his release from the hospital in from Hospital carry in Tralee. He thanked those who found him. He said, they're very professional and very slick. They're incredible people, I have to say. They aren't like doctors or paramedics, paid professionals, they're volunteers. They're definitely a great group of people, there's no doubt. They wrapped me up in the blankets and they took my body temperature and everything. Then they rushed me into the hospital and Rory continued, there's no victim mentality there. Other than a bit of pain at the back of my knee, I'm 100%. There's no long-term damage. I love the way he's playing this down. Do you really hear this next sentence? The only thing was my kidneys needed, <laughs> needed to readjust, so there's been no serious harm. <laughs> it was only a matter of going into hospital to heat up a bit. Other than that, I was fine. It is reported that when he was rescued, Rory was dangerously hypothermic, but he insisted that the only thing that is stressing me out is everybody is panicking about us. I just jumped in, and that was it. I saw a fennet lighthouse out in the water, and I said, right, I'm going towards it. And I wouldn't have got in to start with if I didn't know I was going to be grand, he explained. He told the Irish Independent there was one moment during the ordeal that he was worried about his safety. He said, I saw these black tails in the water, and I wasn't sure if they were dolphins or sharks. I thought to myself, maybe it wouldn't have been the worst idea to have Googled this (laughs) book. before I jumped in, but they were just dolphins. (laughs) They wouldn't have done any harm to you. I had no problem with them. They were just swimming around me. If anything, they may have helped me. It was definitely an experience. In true Northern Ireland fashion, the dairyman used his humor to make light of the situation, even from the first moment he was rescued. Apparently, the first thing I said to them was, I'll not have to pay for this, will I? was I frightened fear is all in the mind he said well there you go (laughs) I think that's class I love his the the man's personality I don't want to call him a boy because he's not a boy he's a man and there oh I wonder could he get you the picture up on the screen so there you can see him on, on the screen now from 2015 when he was doing the Frostbite boy character Let me see, I'll get this up now. Um, But there's a photograph of him. Ah, brilliant. There we go. You can sort of see it. And he's sitting there on a beach in County Kerry with a full beard and a big mane of hair. He looks like a character from a a movie. Unrecognisable from the Frostbit boy. Like that. And there he is now. And I like that story, I thought that was class, I'll be honest. And the thing I liked about it was his character came out in this, in his interview. And the way he played everything down, there was nothing wrong with me except I had to wait for my fucking kidneys to restart. You know, absolutely brilliant. So fair play to him, fair play to Rory McSorley. That was class. I really enjoyed that. So, I'm just going to push on here. Okay, next thing. So that's that's Rory McSorley. What did you think of that? I like that. I like that guy. He he seems dead on. Obviously I've never met the man. Don't think I ever will. He'll probably get an off five minutes of fame out of this. And unlike the Frostbit Boy thing, I would say if he does get his five minutes this time, it's deserved and I won't begrudge him it. I don't know. So, what's next? Onyas. Oh Let's do this. We're going to talk about pucker. Puckers? You know what a pucker is? Get the picture up on the screen. There we go. Ah, right. Who knows what a pucker is? you are about to find out. So, basically, there's a picture on the screen there, I'll describe it to you, if you're listening to this, if you're watching it, good, Uh, like, share, subscribe, do the whole thing, share the podcast, if you do that as well, I keep asking you to share the the live stream, but if you're listening to the podcast, could you share it on your social media for me please, I'd like to get the numbers up if possible. Obviously I like to get the numbers up. But on the screen there's a picture. And the picture is of well, on the right hand side of the picture as I'm looking at, is an artist called Eden Hart. Let me just turn that down. Is an artist called Eden Hart and he's looking at a statue that he made. And the statue is of a Puka right? Now, what is a pukka? Pukka is a creature in Irish, myth- Irish mythology. So here's the, here's the, the Wikipedia, pukka or puka or whatever. I'm sure you've probably heard this. So here's the Here's a description of what is a puka, puka eh, on Wikipedia. So the puka is primarily a creature of Celtic folklore, considered to be bringers of both good and bad fortune. They could help or hinder rural and marine communities. Pukae have a set, have a dark or white fur or hair. Creatures were said to be shape changers, which could take the appearance of horses, goats, cats, dogs and hares, and they may also take human form, which includes various animal features such as Ears or a tail. The puka has counterparts throughout the Celtic cultures of North West Europe. For instance, in Wel- Welsh mythology, it is named puka, P W C A, and in Cornish, buka, B U U C A, thus being related in entomology and milieu to the bugaboo. And in the Channel Islands, the pook were said to be fairies who lived near ancient stones. In Norman French, uh, or pre- a prehistoric term is referred to a puke, puke pukeli, and so on and so forth. So, uh, you get what it is. The nature of the puke, um, the puke can be regarded as either a menacing or beneficial. Uh, notions respecting it are very vague, and in a brief description, gives an account collected by Croker, from a boy living near Kilkenny, Killarney, sorry, that old people used to say that pukas were very numerous long ago, were wicked-minded, black-looking, bad things that would come in the form of wild cults with chains hanging about them and did much harm to unwary travellers. Also, little bad boys and girls were warned not to eat overripe blackberries because this is a sign that the puka has entered them. Ooh, didn't know that. That's interesting because I have a lovely blackberry bush in my garden and I do pick berries from it despite the fact that Jeannie wants to make a pie with them and she's wondering why she's not getting enough. (gasps) Yes, it's me. Um, One theme of the Pooka's folklore is their proclivity for mischief. They are commonly said to entice humans to ride on their back. Giving the rider a wild and terrifying journey before dropping the unlucky person back at the place they were taken from, this lore bears similarities to other Irish folk creatures such as the Dionysus my good people are the she Furry host said to ho- said to target humans on the road or along the regular passes. So let me see a translation of an old Irish puka story and buckley and bucklebo August and Puka told by the storyteller, Sean Cronin. Oh. And Buckle Bow, and P- August and Puka. The boy, what's bow, what does bow mean in Irish? Can't remember, Buckle his boy. And Buckle Bow, and Puka. The boy something and the Puka. As told by storyteller, Sean O'Cronin, describes this method, oh, what was bow? That's his name, the bow, is it bow? Uh, Describes this method of control of the puka as done by a young boy who'd been the creature's target once before. The farmer asked the lad what had kept him out. So late the lad told him, I have spurs, said the farmer, put them on you tonight and if he brings you, you give him the spurs. And this the lad did. The thing threw him from his back and the lad got got back early enough. Within a week, the puka was before him again after housing the cows. Come to me, said the lad, so I can get up on your back. Have you the sharp things on, said the animal. Certainly, said the lad. Oh, I won't go near you then, he said. The protective power of the sharp things, as they was referred to by the puka in the tales, may stem from the Irish belief that cold iron has the ability to ward off the supernatural. So isn't that fucking class? I love that. So what is this puka thing on the screen? So, this is a statue made by Aiden Hart, and it was commissioned oh let me just um it was commissioned by where's the article? I can't believe it didn't put this article up. Oh there we go so. It was commissioned um, by a town in County Clare. So here, I'm going to read you the article, right? And I love it. I love this. So, sculptor Aidan Hart has shared with Irish Central, that's the publication, his thoughts about the controversy surrounding his Puka of Ennis Diamond statue. Hart told Irish Central on Wednesday, All I can say is that it matters what all the people of County Clare think. A vocal minority seemed to have been set against it from the start, and that culminated with a priest denouncing it from the the altar as a pagan idol in 2021. That's silly. The puka is no more pagan than the leprechaun. But since the controversy went national, there's been a swing with locals who like it now speaking up, and that's welcome. I hope it goes ahead. The brief was to make a statue that would attract tourists to Ennistamon. The puka hasn't even been put up yet, and All Ireland is already talking about it. Previously, Clare County Council had paused the process of erecting the statue of a puka, a mythical Irish creature in Ennistamon, following objections from locals. The puka of Ennistamon sculpture was commissioned earlier in the year as part of a capital investment project in a small county Clare town. It was among 18 submissions that were reviewed by a panel, and obviously that was the one that, um, that got the commission. According to Clare County Council, the puka of Staman is inspired by Ennestamon's equine heritage and Irish folklore. Dublin-based sculptor Aidan Hart shared a picture on Tuesday. In an earlier Instagram post, Hart describes the Puka as Ireland's shape-shifting bogeyman likes to offer drunken travellers a ride home on his back. And no matter how long your taxi's taken this Christmas, don't even consider it. In light of local objections, however, Clare County Council has paused the process to erect the statue and will instead be initiating a public engagement process. Father Willie Cummins was amongst those who publicly objected to the Puka of ennis statue father commons who according to the irish independent was celebrating mass in breach of health restrictions on sunday the 9th of may told mass scores i fully object to this statue there's something sinister behind it speaking outside the church after the mass father Cummins said it will never be erected i can guarantee you it looks nasty similarly finagil senator Martin Conway, who lives in Innistiam, said the Puka still puts the fear of God into old people and was a figure that was used to frighten people. This Puka has upset a lot of people. It is a fairy that a lot of people are worried about and it goes back to pagan times. The whole idea of putting a statue up to a fairy, which has connotations to bad luck, is inappropriate, disrespectful, and offensive. The project should be stopped and abandoned. Kira Fahi. A business owner in Ennistymon told RTA it isn't welcoming, it's not warm and it doesn't reflect the community, it's history, it's people or it's culture. Sinead Garvey, another Ennistymon business owner, also told RTA we have loads of positive stories from our history here in Cl- North Clare. And I don't know if something big and black and dark with poker written in stone is something that would be kind of feeling a little for What a load of fucking shit. But then there's lots of people here, so loads of replies. Um. this will look fantastic stick it up and, uh, if Anna statement doesn't want it, we'll have it please the Boreens of Tipperary if Anna statement don't want to it, took, puka, I'll take it Rachel and I replied something similar myself and I think it looks fantastic I'll describe it, it looks like it's sort of the body of a man tail of a horse head of a horse and he's elongated limbs and looks very anth- it, it, Looks very, um, a bit acid trippy, but I think it looks fucking brilliant. I love it, I'm very fond of it. But the idea that in 2021 of being condemned from the altar or some right wing Fine fucking councillor, um, given off about it is it's fucking hilarious. And I will say this you see, if it is connected to paganism, to the ancient pagan. Celtic past Which it fucking Undoubtedly is I know it's not a Pagan thing as such As in the, the Pagan religion Whatever Or the pagan religions But It's undoubtedly Connected to our Ancient Ancient past Good We need more of this Not less We need more of these things We need to know about these things For a start And celebrate them For the fucking fantastic Colorful Unique insights and connections that it can make within us all to our living past. So I said more of this stuff, not less. I tweeted about this because I thought this was fantastic. And there's there's the the message on screen. So I tweeted priestly denunciations of this Eden hart puka statue for its pagan tendency tendencies should be reason enough for its immediate if not sooner commission i love it Rodin's monument to balzac was condemned for different reasons but by the equally visionless trust the artist and i believe that i, I stand by that tweet R- rodan is undoubtedly the great one of the probably the greatest certainly the in, in relatively recent era sculpture it's ever lived and he did a he, he did a monument to Balzac, the philosopher and it's amazing. And of course after the fact everyone is cooing and going on about how beautiful it is and how wonderful it is. But at the time it wasn't considered and it wasn't actually it was it was it wasn't put on display. But the art community so around at Rodin's time, you'd you'd all the, the impressionists, and uh, they were all kicking about. They were all in huge support of it. They saw it. They saw it for what it was. So as I said, they've diff- condemned for different reasons, but nonetheless, I think it's fantastic. I think it's beautiful. Now a couple of Eden Hart replied himself, and he says, "Cheers, Andy." Naturally, it's rather more complicated than the headlines suggest, obviously. And for one thing, the Gale Senator and FENAFOL TD, who were equally critical, largely escaped media notice. The podcast explores how the dispute has evolved since May. So now I'll throw it up there. You can see it. There's a podcast and it's a part of UCD. University College Dublin. It's a part of their podcasts thing that they put out and this is is called uh, folklore fragments number 31 blurini Bealadish. i'm fucking sure i've mangled that but it's uh, with aiden hart and it's about this controversy about this statue so i tried to find this on on the podcast apps and i can't find it the only place i could get it is on soundcloud so i'll put the link underneath this episode in the show notes and you can check it out and it's brilliant and it's aiden talking to the 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 host of the show um end of about this about about the puka and about this controversy and he goes into more detail as he says in the tweet to me one thing, the, the Fine Giles, Senator and Fianna TD, who were equally critical but largely escaped media notice. I wonder fucking why. But, so, go and check that out. I'll put that under the show notes and you can go and check it out. It's fucking, I love, I can't tell you how much I love this statue. And I I love things like this. I fucking love them. So, um, and as I said, Aidan, I'll be dropping you a wee line and I'm hoping that you'll come on my podcast and talk about this if you want to Um if you if there's a controversy ongoing and you want to just sort of let it die off that people get their heads out of their asses i understand that as well so but i will be dropping you a message please so sarah o'neill the artist the wonderful artist from the north coast here in the north of ireland we're in port rush port port Stewart direction um the Irish she she replied she said The irony, considering so many Christian festivals are rooted in pagan traditions, and doesn't that just get to the the core of the matter? It's exactly right. All our pagan festivals, Easter, Christmas, whatever, you name it, Halloween, although it's not a Christian festival, but you get it. Yeah? And it's true. Reverend Duffer, that's fantastic. I love it, and he's absolutely right. And I agree with you, Rev. Completely correct. Darn Matthews, when, he, when a United Ireland happens, I'm petitioning to go back to the paganism and folklore. Way more crack, more stories and festival. And Aidan Hart replied, and inevitably, more in you. <laughs> so, isn't that fantastic? So, I think that's brilliant. I love that. I can't, I can't tell you enough how much I love. I'm just thrilled by that story, and... By, by people's response to it, and I'm I agree with Darren and the Rev and Eden and Sarah. And who else replied? Yeah, a bit more of a celebration of these things. If you want to be a Christian, be a Christian. If you want to be this, be that. I fucking love it. If you get faith and happiness, and it brings you, and it makes you, a, you feel it makes you a better person, and brings you some sense of peace and joy. My God, do it, but don't condemn the rest of us for, for for not. You know, it's one of the things that we all have a bit of a problem. Those of us that aren't Christians, or Catholics, or Protestants, or you know, let's say, Christian. Let, let's think of a of, of an umbrella term for those people. Yeah, Christians, right? So it's one of the things that as non Christians have a problem with you Christians. It's not that we have a problem that you are a Christian, it's that you condemn us for not being a Christian and you won't just get on with your shit without trying to convert people and make things your way. You know, just just get on with us. Fucking go to mass, go to church, do your thing. Come out and have a drink with us whenever you're all done. Well you know, calm down. And a little bit more of this Celtic pagan pagany tradition y stuff, I love it. We we, we lit bonfires here and solstices in the garden, that bonfires a little just a little fires in the garden in the fire pit and we tie ribbons for the furries and we do all these things. It, it's lovely. It's really lovely. It just makes you feel good. I love it. So I'd like to see more of that. So there we go. The puka. The puka. Isn't the puka fucking class? There he is on screen, and if you and as I said, if you're not if you're not watching this, if you're just listening to this, Google it Puka P U C A, Eden Hart, and you'll get the statue. You'll come up in Google images. It'll be straight away. And the Puka of Ennis Stamen, fucking brilliant. Love it, love it, love it. So there you go. So we're going to finish on. We're near done. Oh Jesus, I'm way over again. For fuck's sake. Ugh, I said I wasn't going to do this tonight. Deism. Day, what's deism, Andy? Well, you kind of know. I'm going to give you, I'm going to put up a little video here, short, 30 seconds. Hopefully, this will ring a bell for you. This is what it is, okay? I'm sure he's probably one of yours too. Everybody loves Bruce Lee, right? So I'm being a bit flippant because it's not exactly what I'm gonna be talking about. I'm not talking about Bruce Lee, I'm talking about deism. So I'm gonna play this. So there's a little five minute video here that's gonna explain it. Right? And then I'm gonna put it up on the screen. It's gonna be full screen. You're just gonna get this for five minutes. For those of you that are listening to this, this'll work for you, too. So just check this out.
1: It's difficult to know much for certain about the Chinese philosopher Lao Tzu. Even his name can be a little confusing. It's also sometimes translated as Lao Tsi or Lao Tse. Lao Tzu is said to have been a record keeper in the court of the central Chinese Tzu dynasty in the 6th century BC and an older contemporary of Confucius. He may also have been entirely mythical, much like Homer in Western culture. Lao Tzu is said to have tired of life in the zoo court, as it grew increasingly morally corrupt. So he left and rode on a water buffalo to the western border of the Chinese Empire. Although he was dressed as a farmer, the border official recognized him and asked him to write down his wisdom. According to this legend, what Lao Tzu wrote became the sacred text known as the Tao Te Ching. After writing this piece, Lao Tzu is said to have crossed the border and disappeared from history, perhaps to become a hermit. In reality, the Tao Te Ching is likely to be the compilation of the works of many authors over time. But stories about Lao Tzu and the Tao Te Ching itself passed down through different Chinese philosophical schools for over 2,000 years. Lao Tzu was the leading figure in the spiritual practice we now know as Taoism, which is more than 2,000 years old and still popular today. There are at least 20 million Taoists, and perhaps even half a billion living around the world now, especially in China and Taiwan. They practice meditation, chant scriptures, and worship a variety of gods and goddesses in temples. Taoists also make pilgrimages to five sacred mountains in eastern China in order to pray at the temples and absorb spiritual energy from these holy places, which are believed to be governed by immortals. Taoism is deeply intertwined with other branches of thought, like Confucianism and Buddhism there is a story about the three great Asian spiritual leaders, Lao Tzu, Confucius and Buddha. All were meant to have tasted vinegar. Confucius found it sour, much like he found the world full of degenerate people. And Buddha found it bitter, much like he found the world to be full of suffering. But Lao Tzu found the world sweet. This is telling because Lao Tzu's philosophy tends to look at the apparent discord in the world and see an underlying harmony guided by something called the Tao. The Tao Te Ching, which describes the Tao, is somewhat like the Bible, It gives instructions, often vague and generally open to multiple interpretations, on how to live a good life. It discusses the Tao as the way of the world, which is also the path to virtue, happiness and harmony. The way isn't an inherently confusing or difficult thing, but in order to follow the Tao, we need to go beyond simply reading and thinking about it. Instead, we must learn flowing or effortless action. It's a sort of purposeful acceptance of the way of the Tao and living in harmony with it. This might seem lofty and bizarre, but most of Lao Tzu's suggestions are actually very simple. First, we ought to make more time for stillness. To the mind that is still, Lao Tzu said, the whole universe surrenders. We need to let go of our schedules, worries and complex thoughts for a while, and simply experience the world. We spend so much time rushing from one place to the next in life, but Lao Tzu reminds us, nature does not hurry, yet everything is accomplished. It's particularly important that we remember certain things – grieving, growing wiser, developing a new relationship – only happen on their own schedule, like the changing of leaves in the autumn or the blossoming of the bulbs we planted months ago. When we're still and patient, we also need to be open. The usefulness of a pot comes from its emptiness, Lao Tzu said. Empty yourself of everything, let your mind become still. If we're too busy, too preoccupied with anxiety or ambition, we will miss a thousand moments of human experience that are our natural inheritance. We need to be awake to the sounds of the birds in the morning, the way other people look when they're laughing, the feeling of wind against our face. These experiences reconnect us to parts of ourselves. This is another key point of Lao Tzu's writing. We need to be in touch with our real, deeper selves. We spend a great deal of time worrying about who we ought to become, but we should, instead, take time to be who we already are at heart. We might rediscover a generous impulse, or a playful side we'd forgotten, or simply an old affection for long walks. Our ego is often in the way of our true self, which must be found by being receptive to the outside world, rather than focusing on some critical, too ambitious internal image. When I let go of who I am, Lao Tzu wrote, I become what I might be. Nature is particularly useful for helping us to find ourselves. Lao Tzu liked to compare different parts of nature to different virtues. He said, The best people are like water, which benefits all things and does not compete with them. It stays in lowly places that others reject. That is why it is so similar to the Tao. Each part of nature can remind us of a quality we admire and should cultivate ourselves. The strength of the mountains, the resilience of trees, the cheerfulness of flowers. Of course, there are issues that must be addressed by action, and there are times for ambition. Yet Lao Tzu's work is important for Taoist and non-Daoists alike, especially in a modern world distracted by technology and focused on what seem to be constant, sudden and severe changes. His words serve as a reminder of the importance of stillness, openness and discovering buried yet central parts of ourselves. There we go. What do we think of that?
0: The Tao, the way. No. I love that. I can't begin to tell you. I've heard of these words, I've heard of this uh, writer, I've heard of this book, I've heard of this religion. I'm not so much as interested in the religion aspect of it as I am the philosophy. It's very connected also with the the comment, the the video maker. I will leave a link to that underneath, I'll give them the credit. Um, It's also connected to stoicism, the the stoic. Uh, philosophers as well, so although not not geographically, of course, but the reason that it rang with me this happened to me the other night now i i i i'm I have an awful relationship with sleep, so I couldn't sleep play. so rather than tossing and turning in in the bed at night um I'm keeping Janie awake. I take myself down to the sofa and i lie down there and I get a we just get my eyes over get try to sleep down there, but anyway, I stuck on some meditating music, you know, on YouTube, there's some meditating music, put the earbuds in, try to get, try to drift off, but something came up on my, my YouTube feed, and it was this, it was Taoism, and I go, what is that? And it was the audiobook. I'll put it in the link as well, in the, in the show notes, it was the audiobook read of the Dao thing being read out, the whole audiobook book, maybe. so I'll fucking put that on, lovely lovely plinky plinky music very nice and relaxing this class voice very deep voice reading these amazing quotes <gasps> oh I just fell in love completely I just loved it I just love 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 it but what I didn't really and this is where it connected with me flow now as a musician as a writer flow what is flow flow is a state a mental state that you get yourself into that you write and you create without thinking, right? And in it, you create the best art, as most people will, who use flow. But you try and get yourself into the state of flow. It's diff- It can be difficult to get there, especially if you're not practiced in it. Now, it turns out I've been writing like this my entire life, well I didn't even know, I di- didn't know it was called flow, didn't know what it was, but this is what it is. and. I used to call it stream of consciousness and it's the same thing. I would write songs and I wouldn't know what they were about. A year later I would go oh fuck that's right that's what that is. I would, something would just click and that's what it would be about. For example the Bonneville song Just the Right Distance from the, We're Just the Right Distance from the Sun that's about my mother dying. But I didn't know that when I wrote it. I swear to God I literally describe her fucking disease in the song what killed her. But I didn't know, honest to God, I didn't, that's the truth. I didn't know, it was at least a year later before it, the penny dropped with me. Right? It's, so we got into a state of flow and that's what came out. And that's what can happen. And it's wonderful. Taoism talks about flow. And as I said, it was round in the bar last night with Mickey and Richie, and and James, uh, Mickey's friend, and we started, I started to talk about this, and Mickey just barked, he said, I want to talk about this, what what is this? And started to talk about it, and he said, that's amazing, I did the same thing, he says, I played a gig last week, and I can't even remember the gig, came off the stage, and it felt great, and James was there, and and told him, he says, that's one of the best gigs you've ever played, Mickey being a stand-up comedian, as you know, and, so that's, where it connected with me. So this week I've been doing a little bit more reading. A little bit more listening. About this. And I'm very 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 taken with it. I love it very very much. And I think I'm going to carry on with it. Not in a religious sense. In a philosoph- a philosophical. Philosophical. Jesus Christ. A philosophical sense. Okay. So here's some lovely quotes. Uh, from... Lao Su and there's one here, this is the first one I'm gonna read out to you, and you know it. You know it already. The journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Lao Su Right. Life is a series of natural and spontaneous changes. Don't resist them. That only creates sorrow. Let reality be reality. Let things flow naturally, forward, in whatever way they like. And what is he? What is the reference there? The water? We're talk- He was talking about the water. Bruce was talking about the water. And I love that quote from the film, from Enter the Dragon. It says, it's like a finger pointing to the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger, or you miss all the celestial glory. I love that. That's what that's Bruce Lee was huge for me when I was a kid. I was I didn't even know he died. Somebody told me he died. I started crying. I was about, I was about nine. I didn't realise he'd been dead. He before he was born. Um. There's the nice next one. The good traveller has no fixed plans and is not intent on arriving. Enjoy the journey. Huh? Those who know do not speak, and those who speak do not know. That's a good one for me. Since I never shut up. I should listen more to that. My wife Janie, I think she's a dynast. Naturally. That's that's her vibe. She 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 this all this stuff, just this quiet calmness, that's who she is. I showed her this and a played or some stuff and she was like, ooh, I like that. said, You could have fucking wrote it. There's a nice one for, there's a good one for the modern time. Cure about what other people think and you will always be their prisoner. And for our modern social media world, that. That's a good one. There's, as the uh, one that the guy in the video said, Nature does not hurry, yet everything is accomplished. And I like this. At the center of your being, being, you have the answer. You know who you are and you know what you want. Love it. There's another one, nice little one. They're all fucking great actually. Do you have the patience to wait until your mud settles and the water is clear? Isn't that glass? Love that. So, so yeah, so the DAO the flow thing, all that that Tai Chi stuff, that's what that all is. And I remember, I was saying to the boys last night, I remember years ago watching, um, it was around the same time, remember Roger Federer, the tennis player? And Brian O'Driscoll, the Irish rugby player? And I remember watching them and I was amazed by these athletes the way they move they move like fucking like tigers they're, they're just effortless and and the the dao, the dao talks about about athletes a lot he talks about um he talks about the archer he says the archer uh, is is skilled but he shoots his arrow timorously Sorry, I'm quoting this verbatim, so I'll probably maul it. He, qu- he shoots his arrow timorously when he thinks of the gold medal, but he's no less skilled when there's no medal there to think about. And that's a great, you know what I mean? So he talks a bit about sport, and I'm in the sport, sport, athletics and all that sort of stuff. And so that sort of rings another bell with me too. But I remember watching O'Driscoll and Federer and... Being absolutely amazed. I remember calling Jeannie into the living room one time when Wimbledon was on. And, and, and I, did, I did it with both of those. I said, look at this. And it showed you Federer. And he seems to be able to fucking clear the entire back end of the court in a half a step. And not even fast. He just seems to always be where he needs to be. Always seemed to be just exactly where he needed to be with no effort. And O'Driscoll was the same. He could shimmy and slide his body through gaps that didn't exist to avoid tackles. I'm talking about these guys when they're their best. And avoid ta- and Just superhuman. And I said to Janie, I said, I don't know how they do that. I think they see the world in slow motion. It's the only thing I could think of. They must see the world in slow motion. For them to be able to do that, they're in flow. They're in a flow state. That's what that is, right? I experience it with my music, when I'm writing, when I get into it. They experience it when they're doing making their art with with their bodies. And a part of my readings this past week about this, um they were talking about a basketball player from the I think he was from the seventies or the eighties. And he was talking about when he was at his his best, he saw everything and he says it felt like it was slow motion. You could see everything coming before it happened. You knew what was coming. You knew where he was going, the ball was going. You just knew. And it was effortless. And that's what this is. That's what this is. That's a part of what this is. And I love that. That to me is very... Very, very cool, very, very groovy, and 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 I'm I'm very taken by the whole thing. So I'm going to be looking more into that as time goes on. I've the book ordered. I'm going to be someone be reading from it. Um, and the last quote here. I'll just we're we're, we're going to finish up. So yep. Yeah, so that's it. We're done. But before we go, like, share, subscribe, everybody. If you're listening to the podcast, if you can share it on your social media, I would be fucking mightily grateful. I really would. And um, thanks for thanks for listening. Thanks for joining in. Yeah, don't forget, we do this I do this on the YouTube every Wednesday, seven o'clock. And I'm going to finish. I'm going to give the last word to Sue. and it is this: music in the soul can be heard by the universe.